0: Certainly an honor to be in your presence this evening. It's good to see all of you who are here. It looks like a, a good congregation of young folks and sort of middle folks and older folks, and that's always a good thing. Uh, always concerned a little bit about churches that all they have is older folks. And then I'm as equally concerned, I think, about churches that only have young folks. Because I I wonder, well, what was said to run those old folks off? So I think a church needs a balance of, of new folks full of energy and older folks full of wisdom and experience. Sometimes energy needs to be tempered, you know. But I trust this evening that uh, we've come with the same purpose, and that's to spend our time in worship of the Lord, learn as much as we can in the time that we have, and uh, take that with us to glorify God in the days to come. I do ask for your prayers as we go forward, and uh, my prayer is first that God is glorified, Second, that the body of Christ is edified. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn to the 31st chapter of Jeremiah, way back over in the Old Testament. I've heard folks say, well, we don't have to go into the Old Testament. It's fulfilled. Well, that's the first place the Lord ever read from when he stood before the, uh, the Jews there as a, a young child. And I, I was paying attention to that the other day. And here's Jesus Christ. He wrote these things. Yet when he's standing there as a child before the Jews, he's not reciting them. He's reading them. And I think he did that for a purpose. Well, I know he did. The Lord has done all things with purpose. Uh, the Lord never did anything that was just a waste of time or had no uh, value to it. I think he read those, at least in part, that they might not question. They're questioning how does this 12-year-old child be able to stand here and understand any of this. Uh They're not questioning, well, he's making it up as he goes because he's reading it. And they're supposed to have know, known what it said anyway. But the Lord read those words to them. So the Old Testament is full of words that God has given to us that have great value today, even though the covenant that was presented in the Old Testament is fulfilled, and we're not under uh, a Levitical service uh, to Jesus Christ, we need to know about those things. Because in the 31st chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah tells us something that's going to happen one day, and Here we are. We're at one day. We're here when these things have have come to pass, and we're now under these teachings. Look in the 31st chapter, and uh, let's see where we want to start. The 31st verse. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, don't, don't be one of those folks that when we get to this part say, he's talking about covenants and laws and, and I'm just going to close it up. I'm done lost. Don't, don't be one who, who just gives up so easily and will fail to receive a blessing that God will give when we study and meditate and put forth the effort that we're supposed to to understand His Word. These things are not complicated. Uh, this is some of the easiest stuff in the Bible, I think, when the Lord says, this is what I'm going to do one day. the, the There's a day coming... That this is what's going to happen. Okay? Let's look at what the Lord said He's going to do. That I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. Right? Two covenants. This is simple. Old Testament, New Testament. Old covenant, New Covenant. the old covenant goes even before god led israel out of egypt so let's go all the way back to an occasion where god made a choice you know we we are not under the old covenant But the creator of the new covenant is the same one that created the old covenant. And uh, I suspect if you did something new, your fingerprint would be on it just like it was something you might have done in the past. And so when folks look at it, you know, maybe you're an artist and you paint a picture and you paint a new picture. But folks look at it and say, wait a minute, so-and-so did that. I see his work there. All right. So when we look at the old covenant, and the new covenant, we see the work of God. The same creator God, the same Lord over all. And we go back to, let's go to the book of Genesis and the 12th chapter. Right, what's, what's one of the characteristics of God here that is maintained by God in the New Testament? Well, one that stands out to me is God is a God of choice. He chooses what pleases Him. He chooses how He does things. And so we very easily in the New Testament can begin to talk to folks about God being a God of election. You know, God chose His people before the foundation of the world. I I don't know any place in the Bible that teaches that God has to be made acceptable for us to accept Him. But I can tell you where it says we have to be made acceptable for Him to accept us. So God elected a people. He chose a people. He is a God of choice. Folks, get upset about that. I've never had anybody get upset when I say, well, you know, God chose Abram. Well, he's a right to choose Abram. Well, why didn't he choose somebody else? Why didn't he choose Abram's neighbor? Why not the family down the road? Why? That's not fair to them. I've never heard anybody put forth the argument against election to the same in the choosing of a particular people in the Old Covenant. But you know what he did? He chose Abram to a particular purpose, to a particular calling, to be obedient to a particular set of laws... But all still with the same purpose of glorifying God. Everything that God has ever done has been to His glory. Everything we do ought to be. That, that's, not, that's not selfish of God. God deserves all the glory. You know, folks get upset sometimes when you believe that they're the only people in the whole existence are on the earth. Look at all the stars. You must think pretty highly of yourself to think that there's nobody else out there. No, I think pretty highly of God to think that there's nobody else out there. Because all of that's not created for me.
1: It's created
0: to His glory. That when we look at it, our eyes ought to be wide and our mouth ought to fly open and we just stand in amazement. God created all of that. That's not for me, it's for him. How wonderful, how amazing, how in all we are of God. That's why God chose Abram for a particular purpose. Look in the 12th chapter of Genesis. He says, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. All right? Well, there's an act of faith right there. Uh, I want you to pack your bags. I want you to go. But I'm not, I'm not going to tell you today. I'm going to show you as you go along the way. So every step they took was a step of faith. It ought to have been, is that any different with us? Every step that we take ought to be a step of faith. You know, who who are we to get up in the morning and say, God, I want you to just tell me everything that's going to happen to me today. I need to know it right now. You know, give me my itinerary. Give me the list of events so I can start getting ready for them. How uh, arrogant would we be if we... Say, we're just not going to live by faith today. We're only going to live by knowledge. The Lord says, to a land that I will show thee. Alright? And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All right, back up to the first verse. So it's, the, the Lord says something here that either Abram didn't pay enough attention to or he just didn't care. And I don't want to judge Abram. Uh, I'll I, I leave that to the Lord. The, Lord's, the Lord is the judge. But this is something that's going to cause him some trouble down the road. And this is also, there's some work involved in this. So when we begin to look at these two covenants, the old and the new, we we understand there is some work that was done to the accomplishing of these covenants. But in the first one, some of that work fell to Abram and to his descendants. They were supposed to do some things. And i just give you a spoiler alert. In the New Covenant, all the work falls to Jesus Christ. And so we don't have to worry about falling short in doing what the Lord has... Not that the Lord hadn't told us to do some stuff in the New Testament. He's told us to do a lot of stuff. We're supposed to take up our cross every day and follow Him. But whether we do or we don't has no effect on the outcome of of that covenant being successful or a failure, right? The the first covenant had some problems and and it wasn't with the Lord. The Lord was not the problem in the first covenant. The people were, okay? But very beginning of this original uh, covenant that God made with Abram, he said, get thee out of thy country the Lord ever says, get thee or do something, then that's a work. That's a labor on your part. The Lord said, go somewhere. I'm going to show you, but you've got to physically get up, pack your stuff, and you're going to go. And there's a requirement. In this very first part of this, he says, from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Right. Who was his father's house? We'll back up into the, to the 11th chapter. The 27th verse. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. Lot is not of Abram's house. He's of his kindred. He is his brother's son. And so when he said, get away from your kindred, Abram took one of them with him. Now, like I said, there's a whole bunch of folks in the Bible I can't get all hot, hot uh, haughty and mighty over. You know, when you look at Peter, God bless him, he, he, he said some things he ought not say, but brother, haven't we? He did some things he ought not do, but haven't we? Uh, we're, we're too uh, a condemning of Peter's bad or negative or his failures. That's probably a good word. We ought to be more trying to follow the example of his successes. For somebody that had such lows to look at the Lord and say, I don't know him. And the Lord looked back at you. And then, the blessings that he had to go and preach to, to Cornelius and his household. And the Lord himself will reveal unto Peter what I have cleansed, call thou not common or unclean. The things that Peter succeeded in, the things that he did where he rose above. Don't you like rising above your normal? I heard a preacher say this of another preacher one time. I've heard him preach many times and today he preached better than he preaches. You know. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord can bless you to just do better than you have ever done and better than you think you can do. And, and that's a blessing. Would to God that we do better each day than we ever have before. Abram took Lot with him. And we, know, we know what happened. There was a lot of trouble. There was battles. There were fighting. There was bickering amongst the the herdsmen and Lot winding up where Lot wound up in Sodom, and uh, the 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 end of Lot, his two daughters, and what they did to him, and and uh, you know what? Lot's a child of God. He is a child of God. The Bible says that his righteous soul was vexed day by day. Uh, He was one of the more miserable children of God. Yet when he drew his final breath, Jesus embraced him in his arms and received him into his eternal home. I like when Paul says the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. With the glory which shall be revealed in us. And when Lot got to heaven, there was not another conversation about his sins. There was not another mention of his failures. God said, I'll remember them no more. And that's an amazing thing to think that God can forget something. But he says, I will remember them no more. <clears throat> I wish that we could forget them as, and, and move on, uh, sometimes better than we do. Alright, so, uh, Abram began uh, on a a shaky note there by not doing exactly what God told him to do. And then we get over to the 17th chapter of Genesis, and we find God is speaking again with Abram uh, about this covenant that he's going to make. There were three parts to this covenant, at least three, I'm always careful to say there were X number because somebody right after church is going to tell you another one. But there were at least three parts to this covenant. And and one of them, Abraham will be the father of a great nation, meaning he's going to have kids. There's going to be some descendants there. Uh, But he waited 10 years and Sarai and Abram just got a little let out with it and tried to help the Lord along. and, And that caused problems too. Brother, don't help the Lord alone. Be patient. Wait upon the Lord to help you alone. And you won't have uh, as many of those problems. So he would be a great nation. And then he said, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to lead you to a land that will be yours. But the, the biggest blessing out of that is when he said, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. How are all nations of the earth blessed in this Hebrew nation? Well, Jesus Christ came out of that Hebrew nation, and he saved folks of every kindred tongue. He has a people of every uh, language, tribe. Uh, They are all represented there in Christ, so he is a blessing uh, not to all people, but to all kinds of people. All nations are represented there. So we get to the 17th chapter, and, and God is speaking with Abram again. And he's he's establishing uh this covenant. He brings up the covenant again. He says, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt Uh, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed uh, after thee and their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. All right. There's something else that Israel had to do. There's another labor. There's another work. There's something that they had to do. Uh, uh, this physical act of circumcision, which we, we later learn is such a beautiful token of the New Testament covenant where the Lord takes away that old hard heart of ours. And, and, and as the Bible says, we're spiritually circumcised. We are Israel. You are the chosen people of God. You are spiritual Jews. Alright. So. Uh, God has, has blessed you above and beyond what I think most people even understand. Alright, but we're in the Old Testament covenant here, so we found at least two things they had to do. Uh, two, you do this, you, you, uh, uh get away from your, your household, your kindred, uh, circumcise on the eighth day the male children. <clears throat> Alright, go to the, the Jeremiah. We're, we're, we're through with the Old Testament covenant part there. We see that there was uh, something given. Uh, We know that the Lord fulfilled that. Uh, He said, think not that I come to destroy the law and the prophets. I come not to destroy, but to fulfill. That meant it wasn't just erased. It wasn't just taken away. It wasn't just thrown in the garbage can, so to speak. The Lord carried it out to its ultimate end. He fulfilled it. So it's not hanging out there to come back at some point and the uh, the accuser say, well, wait a minute, you haven't done this. The Lord says, I've done it. It's finished. I fulfilled it. You're free from that. The law of life and liberty in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. All of that old law that was against you is fulfilled. So now we're under a new law. We're under a new covenant. Look in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah is blessed by God to tell them something that's going to come one day. How how sad is it to spend your whole life waiting on the sun to shine? And then when it shines, you are so blind you can't see it. You know, I've never been someplace that had six months of darkness and six months of, of life. You know, but, you know, to wait for such a long period of time for something to happen and then when it happens to be so blind that you miss it. Uh, I had a next door neighbor one time, he was Jewish, uh, by birth and I asked him about his beliefs and he said, well, I, I, I'm reformed Jewish. Um our conversation was very difficult. It was like an apple trying to talk to an orange. We just didn't understand each other. Uh but my my question ultimately came to are you still looking for the Messiah to come? And he said, "Well, no, we've we sort of give up on that. We're waiting for a messianic period of time." We're waiting for a period of time where there's a lot of fulfillment of of prophecy of the Messiah. But he literally said, we just really give up on looking for the Messiah. You know, he'll, he'll never have a blessing in that one. But when Jesus was born, and those Jews that saw him, And praise Him. Those shepherds who praised Him, they saw the sun. Literally, S-O-N. They saw the sun. And rejoiced in it. and, And told folks about it. And found comfort and peace and joy in it. But those who were still blinded because it didn't happen just quite the way they thought it ought to that our Messiah is not going to be born to, to these common folks and, and in, a, in an animal uh, enclosure laid in a stable. Uh, he's going to be born in a castle, in, in a palace, in a throne room. They were blinded by what they thought was going to happen. I read something the other day that said, People are not looking for the truth. Most folks are not looking for the truth. They don't go to church for the truth. But they are looking for somebody to reassure them that what they believe is the truth. I hope that you have come this evening looking for me to assure you in what the Bible says But also, if there is an uncertain sound, you will go and look it up yourself. Don't be satisfied by somebody saying, oh, I I agree with you, what you just said, that's true. And then you go home, yeah, the preacher said I understood it all. No, he didn't. He just didn't want to argue with you. (laughs) 31st chapter of Jeremiah, we read part of that. He said, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers, in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, they break. Well, That means God gave them something to do, else there could not have been any breaking. If there's nothing for you to do, you can't break any laws. But the failure came in Israel because they break what God gave. Okay? But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. All right, this is the New Testament. This is the new covenant, the covenant of grace. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. I don't see anything there where he says, "Okay, in this new one, this is what you're going to do. He says, I will write it in their hearts. I will be unto them a God, and they shall be unto me a people. Nothing in there about us having to to do anything. And the vast majority of folks said, Amen, we don't have to do anything. (laughs) And then the preacher says, You don't even have to hear the gospel preached. Oh, wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. That's where you're going to lose some folks. You don't even have to believe this. How many people truly believe what Jesus did? Even if our faith fails, He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. What's the big deal about belief and profession of faith? Brethren, that's where you get your joy. Every child of God will have joy in heaven. But isn't it a blessing that God has devised that we can have joy before we get there? By believing in Him and following Him and professing Him and being obedient to His commandments. And He says that I... If you love me, keep my commandments, and my Father will love you and will come and make His abode with you. Does that mean God's going to start loving us after we keep His commandments? No, God has loved us from the beginning. But there's an application of that love that you will have in obedience to Christ in discipleship that those others will never have in this world. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts. You know, the vast majority of God's children died before the Bible was ever canonized, before it was ever put together in the book that we have now. Centuries passed, decades passed, God's people died in the Old Testament years never having heard the gospel preached. Never having the written word of Paul and Peter and John and Mark and all the others that we have. Yet, by some means, God saved them. It's the same means He's using today. He didn't come up with a new means. And in that means, he writes his laws in our heart. I I think that takes place in in regeneration. I, I think when we're born again, when he cuts out that old fleshly part, he puts his spirit in there and his laws are written there. And we become new creatures with a capacity to learn things the natural flesh could not learn under a law that the natural flesh was not under and now have the ability to take up our cross and follow the Lord and be obedient to His commandments and to seek, <coughs> seek after Him. Alright. 34th verse, He says something interesting here that a lot of folks have not caught on to. Okay, now, we're, we're, this is just the foundation of this covenant. We've not added New Testament to it. The teachings of the apostles and the New Testament ministry, we've not taken those things under consideration. We've not gone over to the 10th chapter of Acts and looked to see what the writer says there you have to do to be saved, have we? We're not considering that yet. This is foundational stuff. This is sufficient for the fulfillment of the covenant that God is making with us that has come about in the New Testament gospel age. And you can go over to Hebrews and read these same verses almost, identical. The Apostle Paul repeats them. And that ought to be proof enough that something written in the Old Testament got repeated in the New Testament. It's not something you throw out, is it? All right. All right. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Very basic foundational stuff. You do not have to go teach folks how to be in the covenant relationship with God. You don't, you're not going out hunting folks that are lost from this relationship, this covenant, and saying, okay, uh, uh, do you know the Lord? Let me tell you how to know the Lord. Let me tell you how the Lord, how to get into the Lord. Let me tell you how to be safe. You shall no more teach every man his brother and every man his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. They shall all know me. Sounds like there's no such thing as a lost sheep. <laughs> Not to eternity. Now, I've seen a lot of sheep that were lost. Wandering around out in the world trying to find some peace or, or uh, prosperity or some joy there. I would say they're not lost sheep. They're sheep that are lost. But as far as the Lord not knowing where you're at or where you're going to be in eternity, there's no such thing as being lost from that. If someone's not a part of that, it's because that's God's design. And I don't, you know, I I learned a long time ago, try to preach the gospel so you don't run folks off until at least after you've given them enough to chew on when they leave. (laughs) You know, God is sovereign. He, He does what he wants to. And there's nothing we can do to condemn it. It's all right and proper and holy. And if the Lord says you're not of my father's house, you're of your father, the devil, that's that's the Lord's doing. Well, we're not going to preach about the wicked, but just to say the Lord saved all his people. They shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them. You know, it's. I, that's not saying that God loves some more than others i i I believe God loves all of his children the same. I believe when God's children get to heaven they'll all have an equal inheritance, join heirs with Christ. you know you're not I'm not going to have a mansion and you're going to have a fishing cabin you know it doesn't work like that. Mansion simply means there's a dwelling place for God's people in heaven. Now what that dwelling place looks like one day we'll know. I don't know today, except to say that that we will all be satisfied with whatever God has in store for His people. Uh, you know, uh, there won't there was no complaint department built when the Lord built heaven, and I guess that's all hell is is one big complaint department. You know, uh, but the the covenant. Is simply a relationship. The Lord's talking about a relationship. This old covenant, this agreement of how this relationship's going to work and who's going to do what. And this New Testament covenant on how it's going to work and not what you're going to do, but what the Lord's going to do, which is everything. And uh, if I tell you this evening that you have to accept it to be a part of it, that's a work. If I tell you you have to believe it to be a part of it, that's a work. There's a lot of things in my life I'm still working at trying to believe. And it seems like some days, yeah, I really think that's true, and the next thing no, that can't be. So our, our belief in things sways back and forth, but you know, your your salvation is never swayed and never will. I hope the Lord will bless us in the morning to go a little bit further along and add to this. But this is just basic foundational teachings of the Bible. That we're under this new covenant of God and the blessings of this covenant far exceed anything that the Israelites ever had under the old one. I appreciate your time and attention. Brother, come ahead.